Hey friends, guess what? I've got a new book coming out from Llewellyn Worldwide on March 8th called Heal Your Ancestors to Heal Your Life. This book is based on something I call genealogical regressions because sometimes when I'm working with clients, I go into their past lives and I realize this is not the source event of the challenge. We need to send light and love to ancestors in order to make our lives the wonderful places that we want to be. So I hope you'll check out my new book and stay tuned for class announcements, book signings, and more as March gets closer. Heal Your Ancestors to Heal Your Life coming March 8th from Llewellyn Worldwide. The Healing Arts Program is not intended as a substitute for consultation with a licensed medical or mental health professional. The listener should regularly consult a physician or mental health professional in matters relating to his or her health, and particularly with respect to any symptoms that may require diagnosis or medical attention. This program provides content related to educational, medical, and psychological topics. As such, listening to the program implies your acceptance of this disclaimer. Welcome to Healing Arts. I'm your host, Dr. Shelley Kerr. Hi there, my friend. I hope you had a wonderful week. So I'm super excited about our guest today. But before we get into that interview, let's go ahead and close our eyes for just a moment and meditate together. Let's take a moment now and just close our eyes. Take a deep healing breath in through your nose and exhale and allow a beautiful beam of light to come down through the top of your head it's moving down 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 through the body through the legs and feet allow the light to pour out of your heart center creating a lovely golden ball of light that surrounds you by about three feet in all directions. Just imagine that you can be wrapped up by this loving light and that within the light, only that which is of highest good can come through. Take a moment while you're bathing in the golden light to scan the body And go ahead now and just breathe in to any areas of tension. Just breathing in and exhaling. Tensions. And let go of tension and know that all is well. Very good. And when you're ready, just open your eyes. 
and come back into the room. All right, that was so relaxing. Yay! So now we're ready for the show today. And my guest is Neil Donald Walsh. I spoke at a conference with him many, many years ago, but I hadn't talked to him in years. And he is such a sweet person. And his books are some of the best known in the spiritual community, Conversations with God. He's got an amazing new book. So let's just get right into this because I know you're going to love hearing what he has to say. Hi, friends. Welcome to another episode of Healing Arts. So I am completely thrilled today because we have Neil Donald Walsh on the show, who is one of the most beloved authors of our time. Neil has written 39 books now, including one of all of our favorites, the Conversations with God series. His work has been translated into 37 languages, and I have just read his latest book called The God Solution, which came out in December. It is important. And let me tell you something. I don't know what all Neil and I are going to get into today, but you need this book. And I know you're going to find that out the more we talk about this. Neil, welcome to Healing Arts. Thank you so much. What a lovely way to be introduced. I'm not sure I deserve half of those words, but I'm going to receive them humbly and gratefully. And it's really wonderful to be here with you. Thank you. Thank you. You know, I love the book. I love your, I've always loved your style. You have a conversation with the reader and here in the God Solution, you're asking readers a question. You're just putting it out there. And then this kind of starts the course for the whole book. And so let's start there. How did this idea and this question form that led you to write this amazing book? Well, it's interesting. The question itself was uh, was my wife's idea. Uh, I was I began. Um, I didn't really start off to write a book. Actually, um, I, I began last August uh, to write an article for an online platform. They had asked me to write a just write a, a brief article about global circumstances today and so forth, the application of spiritual truth, and so I, I agreed to do the article. And as I began to write the article, I I, I began I realized that I was saying more and more and more and more, and before I knew it, I had a, a short book. It was not really a thick book; it's a very thin book, but it's certainly larger than could be included in an online article, in a magazine, in an in a online or in a print media magazine. So I realized, okay, I've written, I've written a book here inadvertently, but how it happened was, I started off my article with the question, What's, what good does it do to have a God? If God really exists, if there really is a God in the world, what's the point? What, what good does it do? Look at the world. The world's a mess. Yes. What, what is it we don't understand? Uh, why isn't God you know, doing something about it? Or what's the point of having a God? And why don't the world's religions find themselves to be more effective in helping us to solve our global challenges? What, what, what's What's wrong here? There's something that's not adding up. There's something that doesn't mesh. I realized that, um, and I point out in the book, that um, surveys have shown over the past 25 or 30 years that, and I was, by the way, I was surprised when I saw this statistic. I didn't realize uh, that these numbers were that high, but surveys have been taken in all of the cultures and all of the uh, continents on the planet. 
asking the question, do you believe in God or some sort of higher power? Eight out of 10 people worldwide, that's 80% of the human race, believes in some sort of higher power. We may not agree on the fine print, but we agree on the larger concept that there is more going on here than meets the eye and that there is a higher power. As a result of that level of agreement, we now have on the earth, I've also discovered through my research, 4,300 individual religions. 4,300 organized faith traditions on the earth as we're speaking. Now with that kind of a energetic movement, you would think that we would certainly solve some of the problems that are created by our inability to get along. We can't, we can't even get along. We, we, right. we, we, have, we have world leaders bullying each other and bragging to each other about who has the bigger missiles and who has the bigger, the more power to destroy the other country. And, you know, wagging our fingers, you know, at each other, both globally, politically, economically, spiritually, yes, even spiritually, wagging our fingers at each other's. If you don't believe in the right way, you're going to hell. And, and so we have created hell on earth because even with 4,300 religions, we can't simply agree on some basic elements with regard to God. And so I try to make the point, my friend, that our belief in a higher power is not enough. It's what we believe about that higher power that creates life on earth the way it is. And here's what we believe so far. That is most people. Most people believe that God is separate from us, that God's up here, up here somewhere, and that we're down here. Furthermore, most people believe that God has requirements of us. Either we do what God wants and needs for us to do, or God's need for us to do it is so great that God will punish us with everlasting damnation in the fires of what's called Hades or hell if we don't obey God's commands. And so we have allowed ourselves to be influenced, deeply influenced in our social, economic, and political and spiritual interactions by this notion that we have a God who judges, mm -hmm. condemns, and punishes. That gives us the moral authority, you see, to judge, condemn, and punish each other. Mm -hmm. And so we behave as we imagine God is behaving. Hey, if it's good enough for God, it's good enough for us. The result of which is we have become a very judgmental civilization. I've never seen such judgmental action in, on the planet as I'm seeing now. I've never seen such alienation. We have produced a level of alienation, you know, blacks and whites, gays and straights, men and women, conservatives and liberals, rich and poor, you know, people of different nationalities. What is going on on the planet where everybody feels separate at some level from everybody else and not just separate, but alienated? They're the problem. 
they're the problem. If you weren't acting the way you're acting, if you weren't doing what you're doing, if you weren't saying what you're saying, the world would be a better place. But I'll get you. I'll get you. And that's the world we're starting to live in. We even have we even had world leaders. I mean, presidents of countries speaking that way, not just people on the street, but people who are supposedly leading their nations are now talking this way. So I see that we have an enormous, enormous problem on the planet. And the only thing that I think could solve it is the God dilemma. Now to answer your question directly, how did I come up with this notion of writing a book that would ask a question? I was writing this article and my wife came into the room. I was sharing with her, of course, you know what I'm writing about. And I gave her a few pages to read, see what she thought. Um, and she said to me, she came into the room at one point and she said, you know, I have, an, I, have, I have an idea. What do you think the world would be like if everybody could create their own religion? I know we have 4,300 religions, but they all have different beliefs. Do you think it's possible for people to actually come to an agreement about at least some basic understandings regarding God? And what would the world be like if you could create your own religion and I could create my own religion and she could create her own religion? And I said, wow, yeah. what a question. So I took that question and brought it. Chills. Yeah, I, I took that question and brought it into um, the article that I was writing. And I asked the reader, hey, if you could, if you would, were suddenly named, you know, uh, chief operating officer of the world, and you could create your own religion. Let me ask you a couple of questions I said. Would your religion say that anyone else who doesn't belong to it would be condemned to everlasting damnation? Do you think that would make it a, a, a better place to live on the earth or not such a good place to live? Let me ask another question. If you could start your own religion, would your religion insist that everyone have the same sexual orientation, the same sexual preference? And would you condemn people to everlasting damnation if they did not? And would that make the world a better place? Are not such a friendly place in which to live. If you could create your own religion, would you think that it's okay not to even sell a wedding cake to somebody because the people who are getting married are the same gender, the same sex? Would that make the world a better place or not such a good place? I began asking rhetorical questions like that in the writing and I realized, you know what? These are the questions that need to be placed in front of humanity and not just about certain, mm -hmm. certain experiences, but the rich and the poor, conservative and liberal, as I said, people of different skin colors, people of different nationalities. What kind of religion would it take to bring us together once again, as we were at the beginning, when we didn't make the differences between us? so incredibly alienating. And I decided to ask a fundamental question. Is it possible that we've got God all wrong? Maybe we need a brand new definition of God. What if we all got together and agreed on a new 
definition of God? And what if we decided to name God or to define God with two words? We don't need to get, you know, books this thick and, and enormous, you know, philosophies and theologies. What, what if we just agreed on two words to define God? What if we said that God is, you ready? Yes. Pure love. Yes. Now, people have said to me when I, when I present this idea in public, well, of course, everyone agrees God is love. Of course, God is love. That's the one thing we do agree on. God is love. I said, no, 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 wait a minute. I didn't say God is love. I said, God is pure love. There's a difference. That's a certain kind of love. And so my audience members say, well, what's the difference? And then I share with them, oh, I see. We're so not used to experiencing pure love that we don't even know the definition. Pure love is a love that needs, hopes for, expects, wants, and certainly demands nothing in return. Pure love is a love that's fulfilled at the highest level and brings the greatest joy to the lover simply from the expression of it without getting anything in return. And someone in the audience might stand up and say, inevitably, in my most recent lectures, somebody will say, well, human beings, you know, that's beyond human beings' ability. I say, really? Have you ever held a baby in your arms? Have you ever had a baby that was yours, your own child, six week old? What do you require back from that child in order to love it, completely love it, that you'd almost give your life for it if you had to? Right. And then they say, well, that's a different story. I see you're talking about a baby. I said, well, <laughs> that's how God sees us. We are God's children and we are, by the way, the children of the universe, a very young species, I want to say emotionally and spiritually immature species. So God loves us as we would love our children. God, and we've all, there are people who've had the same kind of love. I don't want to make a comparison directly, but to just let them know, have you ever loved a dog or a cat or a pet? Have you ever had a horse that you've just loved that horse so much and you expect nothing back from it? You just love it to pieces just the way it is. This is called unconditional love. If we can agree that God is pure love, a God that needs, wants, requires, and demands nothing in return for giving its love to us, then we have found our way to free ourselves from this belief that we have held. We have finally freed ourselves from the oppression of our belief in a violent, angry, and vindictive deity. Right. And we can then free ourselves from our own violent, angry, and vindictive species because we no longer have to imitate and model our behaviors on this God 
who we think is violent, angry, and vindictive. By the way, if you don't think that we believe in a violent God, the Bible, just to use one classic example, there are yes. many classic examples, but if you read the Bible with a calculator from beginning to end, you will find that over one million people have been condemned to death and torture by an angry and vindictive God. So the scriptures tell us. Oh my goodness. So I'll, I want us to share one example uh, that I put in the book. I was born and raised a Roman Catholic. Now I'm not Catholic bashing, so don't get all upset about, this is not about bashing anybody. It's just my life experience. Right. At the age of seven, as a Catholic child in a Catholic parochial school, I was told that I must go to Mass on Sunday. Well, I went to Mass every Sunday when I was seven and eight and nine years old. But I remember a couple of times when I was nine years old, I thought, you know, maybe just this one Sunday, I want to go to the playground and play baseball, play, have a little softball game with the rest of the kids. And even though it's the same time as Mass, I can miss Mass this Sunday. It's not that big of a deal. So I would miss Mass and go play baseball. Then I was told when I was nine years old in catechism class, if you miss Mass on Sunday without an excuse, maybe you have to care for a sick parent, or maybe you're an older person, you have to go to work, fair enough. But if you don't have a good excuse, if you miss Mass without an excuse, and then you should die, maybe get hit by a car, you know, a terrible accident or whatever, and you die with that sin on your soul, missing Mass last Sunday, you're going to hell. Damnation for missing Mass. And so, as I got to be a little older person, I began thinking about this. Is this really, is this really how God operates? I mean, somebody help me understand. Is this what we call divine justice? And then a priest straightened me out. He said, well, Neil, you know, you're exaggerating. God wouldn't send you to, to hell if you miss mass on Sunday. He would probably send you to purgatory. I said, what, what's purgatory? He said, well, it's like, it's like hell, only it's not forever. And so you're only in purgatory until you burn off your sins and become purified enough to return to God in heaven. But venial sins, in other words, you know, small potatoes, you know, small little tiny sins, celestial misdemeanors are not punishable <laughs> by going to hell. You're only sent to purgatory until you are purified through through the fires of purgatory but that doesn't sound like a lot of fun either to a kid you know really well, to an adult forget about a kid. <laughs> I know. <laughs> you know i mean because I, and i asked the priest i really said i said father everyone said that my grandmother my, my mommy's mom my grandma was just a saint a walking saint. everyone said she was a walking saint did she go right to heaven did she ever have to go to purgatory and the priest said, well, son, you know, I don't, I can't make a judgment about it, but my observation of human beings is that nobody is perfect. Everybody has committed some offenses. So your, your grandmother probably went, you know, to purgatory for a, a time, 
because there's no no nobody's perfect on earth and i got real worried i was a young boy how long do you think how long was she in purgatory suffering the fires for her little misdemeanors for her small offenses and the priest said well son you know if you if you want to go down and drop a little quarter into the box and and light a candle for your mother and say a prayer you know you you can your mother can her her time in purgatory can be reduced i was i was actually trained to think of a god who will reduce a person's punishment in purgatory depending upon if enough people prayed for them to get out of purgatory but of course you can't get out of hell hell you can't get out of once you're sent to hell you're there forever and if you by the way happen to be gay you're going to hell forever there's no question about that mm. uh, to, to just to make a point so i notice how the world is experiencing itself my dogs are going crazy upstairs because they're hearing me talk this way and, and they're really nervous about whether have, I'm, whether I'm going to get away with this. Yes, I do. Yeah, I love my, I love my dogs unconditionally because you can tell they're barking up the wrong tree. Exactly. <laughs> yeah, the thing about it, um, what, your stories about your time in the Catholic Church kind of spoke to me as well. Um, my parents raised me Methodist, but when I was a little kid, they decided that they didn't want to take me to church anymore because they, as you've said, how can this God that we're supposed to believe in is going to damn all of these people, but we're okay? I mean, that just doesn't make any sense. And so I think that, you know, I think most of the people in the Western world, you know, we've all had different religious upbringings that for some will evolve to the state of saying this just doesn't simply make any sense we're not better one group is how long better than how long would that take though these religions have been around for thousands of years hundreds of thousands of years in some cases so the question becomes how long will that take and will the world survive until it gets cleared up yeah that's or it we don't we... have time no hello time is running out so what we need is the God solution. Yes. We need a new way of thinking about God because it will give us a new way of thinking about ourselves and that will produce a new global ethic, a new global ethic that can be overlaid on our political, our social, our economic, and our spiritual constructions on this planet so that we could finally interact with each other in a new way, in a way which is a constant demonstration of pure love. It's incomprehensible to me in the pandemic, the likes of which we're experiencing now, that some of the poorer nations of the world are having difficulty finding access to the solutions to this problem, including the vaccine, because the vaccines are being bought up by the richer nations of the world. How could a world of people who were compassionate and understood that we are all one allow such a thing to happen? To say nothing of all the other things that are happening every day on our planet that show a total, complete lack of compassion, understanding, and love from one person to another. What? What kind of a world is it where we refuse to give a person a job because of the color of their skin? What kind of a world do we live in? And what would it take? 
People have said to me in my, in my uh, lectures and things, we have when it, question and answer time, they would say, Neil, you believe in God. You wrote a book called Conversations with God. Why would God allow such things to occur on the earth? And I said, you know, funny you should ask. God was asking me the same question. Why would you allow such things to take place on earth? It's not God's job to intervene and stop us from doing what we want to do. It's God's desire to empower us and all sentient beings in the universe to do and to create what we choose to do and to create. So God is the great empowerer, but not the great dictator who tells us you will do this or else. Look how far that's gotten us. Not very. So I wrote the book called The God Solution out of an article that I began to write out of a question that my wife asked me. What would it be like if we all could create our own religion? And that's what I invite people to consider here today who are watching this video. If you could create your own religion, if you were like, you know, chairman of the board or president of the world for the next 200 years and the world had to do whatever you say, what kind of religion would you create? Or would you create any religion at all? And how would you allow people to learn how to use the metaphysical power that is inherent in the universe? Let that be our question for the day. And those questions are answered to the best of my ability in The God Solution, including the second half of the book, which is a, an instruction book on how to use metaphysics to manifest the individual and collective realities that we would desire. Absolutely. Friends, Neil has taken us in this book. You have to get this. He's going to talk to you in a conversation, take you through this process that makes a very subtle shift in your thinking. And yes, what kind of religion are you going to create? And so you walk away, Neil, with this answer within you that requires, yes, some attention, obviously, some purpose, consciously creating things, as you've said in the book, rather than having them happen to us. But I really believe this is a solution. It's amazing. And I'm just so glad you wrote this book. I'm glad this turned into a book rather than an article, although I'm sure your article would have been wonderful. But this is amazing. And I, I just can't say enough about it. I love it. Thank you so much for those words. And I'm really grateful to hear them and, and for your willingness to share them with others. Because I agree with you, not because, you know, um, I authored the book. The book is really given to me in a sense, it's kind of flowed through me. So, uh, but I'm grateful because I do agree with you. I think that if we simply change a few fundamental ideas, just a, some fundamental ideas about who we are, and what life is about, and how it all really works, we could shift the reality on our planet without being an alarmist, but before it's too late. We shouldn't need a 17-year-old girl called Greta Thunberg to run around to the world's leaders and stand in front of the world's legislative bodies begging, with tears in her eyes, begging the world's leaders, please, please, surely you must see that we have a climate crisis. 
Can't we come to an agreement on how to solve it? To name just one of the many areas in which our collaborative creation could reduce the challenges we're facing virtually overnight. All we have to do is find a solution to the ideas that are driving our experience. That's why I called it the God solution. It's amazing, Neil. I love it. So to reach out to Neil, you can check out his website at Neil Donald Walsh, N-E-A-L-E, Donald, W-A-L-S-C-H.com. And you're on Facebook as well, right? Yes, yes. We have uh, almost a million followers on Facebook, uh, and we post there every day. Okay, wonderful. Well, it has been a joy to have you on the show. I say thank you for writing this book. Thank you for listening. Thank you for bringing it through. It's going to oh, By help. the way. Speaking of Facebook, I have posted the entire book on Facebook for free. Anybody oh. who wants anybody who wants to read it. Now, now, of course, Facebook won't let you put a whole book up at once. So I put it up in excerpts, you know, like four or five paragraphs at a time. So you have to, you know, really be committed to reading a little bit each day. But every day I post an excerpt from the book so that if a person says, well, I, I can't buy the book or I can't get the book where I am, you can everybody can go on Facebook and you can read the book there as well. So it's one of five books that I have published that I have made available uh, online for people to read at no cost whatsoever. So I'm hoping that people will give themselves permission one way or the other to become familiar with the God solution. Absolutely. Neil, it's a joy to connect with you. I highly recommend The God Solution. And I love the idea of just taking it a piece at a time because the questions he's going to ask you, friends, you're just going to sit with them. You're going to make some changes. And we can do this. I still believe in this. I'm with you, Neil. We got this, but we just need a shift. And The God Solution is a solution. So. Thank you, my friend. I'm glad to hear those words from you. And I join you in uh, what you're sharing with all of us. Blessing. Blessings. All right, dear ones. Until next time, I hope you have a blessed week and take care. Namaste. We'll be right back. Healing Arts is sponsored in part by PastLifeLady.com, my official website where you can find information about past life regression, my books, energy healing methods, gems, stones, and minerals, and more. Visit PastLifeLady.com for more details and through the generous donations from supporters like you. Click on the links to discover how you can support the Healing Arts program. And thank you in advance. Namaste. Welcome back to Healing Arts. I'm Dr. Shelley Care. Visit me online at www.pastlifelady.com.
I hope you loved my talk with Neil Donald Walsh as much as I did. He's a really wonderful person, and so are you. And I hope you have an amazing week, so please take care, and I'll look forward to speaking to you next time. And I do hope that I see you this week at some of my events for my Heal Your Ancestors to Heal Your Life book. But in the meantime, my dear, I can't wait till we get together again. So take care. Namaste. Hey, friends. I want you to check out my Past Life Lady YouTube channel that has tons of free videos that teach you how to do all kinds of things from energy healing, gem and mineral healing. I've got guided imagery up there for you. So check it out. Just go over to YouTube and type the words past life lady in the search bar and hit subscribe. And I'll look forward to welcoming you over to my channel today.